Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? June 4th now, post-UFC 212 edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. Holy smokes, yours truly, your host, Showdown Joe Ferrari. You can follow me online anytime at Showdown Joe. Uh, and you can follow my co-host, Sean Rossap, at Sean Rossap. Uh, Sean, you went to a wedding tonight, but you made it back in time to watch some of the fights? I did. Uh, my good friend, Daniela, my wife's best friend, got married tonight. It was awesome. I got to be an usher in the wedding. And I came back in time to see a damn good UFC show. Man, it was awesome. The skies have kind of opened up a a little bit at 145 because we had a guy who, if he beat Holloway, he'd beaten everybody. There would have been nobody left for Jose Aldo. Uh, He would have beaten Holloway, Edgar twice. Lamas can't piece together a couple wins. He beat Swanson in a few seconds. Uh, Korean Zombies hurt. Anthony Pettis isn't even in the division. Yaya Rodriguez just lost. Jeremy Stevens ain't getting that title shot. So what else is there? But now we have Max Holloway, who has beaten Jeremy Stevens, has beaten Ricardo Lamas, has beaten Cub Swanson. But he has not beaten Frankie Edgar. He has not beaten Frankie Edgar. So uh, I can't wait. There's so much to talk about this show from the the great fights, the not-so-great fights, the, the monorail salesman known as... Vitor Belfort, uh, Kazushi Sakuraba. There is so much to talk about on this show. I can't wait. I'm looking at this fight here with Jose Aldo and, and Max Holloway. And, you know, I think Brian Stan made a very good point. Uh, or was it Dominic Cruz? I'm pretty sure it was Stan. But it was like, you know, Jose didn't use those late kicks. And those are the things that can win him fights. Uh, and versus a wrestler like Frankie Edgar, I could understand. Not to say Max Holloway doesn't have good takedowns. He needs to punish those legs. It was that first round when Jose Aldo, when he decided to go from first to fifth gear, that guy would explode and he would put a hurting on Max Holloway. But uh, I think it was Cruz who noticed that. Wait a second. Holloway's probably just taking the first five uh, to seven minutes uh, and letting, letting Aldo basically unload as much as he can because he gets fatigued later in fights. And lo and behold, Holloway switched gears himself and put in that finish. I mean, it, it, it was a fantastic performance by Holloway. I don't ever condone taking a beating first, uh, but yeah. it's got a belt around his waist. He's got a belt around his waist uh, to say, yeah, maybe that is a good theory. 
a second one. I mean, he went in as interim champion. I mean, that's 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 lost on a lot of people because Jose Aldo is so identified with that and synonymous with that featherweight championship, even after losing to Conor McGregor. It's yeah, it's it's so nuts to even think that we're in this spot because nobody has defended the featherweight title besides Jose Aldo. That's it. He's the only guy. Like in UFC history, that's whacked out. That's nuts to think. But that's about to change. It's it's pretty nuts. And I would imagine that Jose Aldo saw a couple of the fights on that show and said, Yeah, I'm gonna need a finish here tonight because I'm not I'm not leaving it up. I'm pretty sure the Brazilian judges still turned in their scorecards and they said 50-45 Aldo. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happened. Yeah. The, the, uh, Aldo's going to appeal it. The <laughs> CAB MMA is going to overturn it. We're going to have to send the belt back. Yeah, uh, man. But that first round, and it's it's really masterful to see Max Holloway's game plan unfold because we've seen his career unfold. We have watched him grow up before our very eyes. This is the same boy that we saw lose to Conor McGregor, who had a torn ACL, drop a split decision to Dennis Bermudez, uh, get mounted, and then just had the world done to him by Dustin Poirier, I think. God, that was five years ago now. And Yeah, there are fights was, that I go through his his list, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't and remember that. 20, when I watched that, I watched I watched them all, yeah. yeah. 21 years old. 21 years old when he lost to Poirier. And he was, yeah, you know, he still beat people like Pat Schilling, Justin Lawrence, Leonard Garcia, but and winning a split decision over Leonard Garcia is not easy to do because even when Leonard Garcia loses those, no nobody walks out the winner in those. It's just and it's a really good case of how losing isn't the end of the world, especially when you're young, especially in MMA, because everybody loses, and especially when you're that age. And he really learned from that. And we've seen him just pick off not only the best in this division, but Anthony Pettis, too. Uh, Jeremy Stevens is a huge 145-pounder, and I don't think he belongs in the top 15. But when uh, when Max Holloway fought him, he did. So uh, later on, we saw, and it really seemed like after that second round that Aldo, he was starting to feel the pressure a little bit. I saw him taking yep. some deep breaths in between the round. And Holloway just got com- comfortable in that second round, and he really started to turn it on. That was that was just incredible to watch because he had to take some lumps from Jose Aldo to get there, and that's scary. That's terrifying, Joe. In general, I never condone that because I mean that that stuff catches up to you later on in your career. But then again, uh, you've heard me use the adage before, Sean, and, and to everyone in the live chat. Thank you very much for your comments. Uh, well, most of you. Uh, and of course, uh, to anyone that's ever listened to the podcast, you know, George St. Pierre always told me, he goes, the, the guys to be the most afraid of, uh, in fights, every, every fighter thinks they're tough. Every fighter says they're tough. Every fighter is tough. But when a guy challenges for a world title, he's willing to die in there. He's always willing to die. Those are the toughest guys to compete against as a champion. You just have to win three of those five rounds. You try and go in for the finish. If you can't get the finish, win the round. You don't have to kill the guy. You don't have to go all out. You just have to win the round. And when you win the round, you win three to five, three out of the five rounds, you're the champ. And a guy like you know Max Holloway tonight proved again he was willing to take anything and everything that Aldo had to dish to him 
and was able to come back and, and get that TKO stoppage, which you could have argued could have been stopped a little bit earlier. But John McCarthy knows that Aldo is going to give Aldo the most respect in the world, paying very close attention to where Holloway was landing those shots. And then finally, he's like, dude, you got to defend yourself. Putting your hands over your head, you got to defend yourself better than that. You got to move. You were mounted. You turned. Now it's getting worse. You got to do something. John's like, it's done. It's done. You're not doing nothing. There's still time left in the round. You're not making the bell save you. The round is over. The fight is over. He steps in there, and he goes, and, and, and Max becomes a new champ. And, and Max, like I said, you know, or like you said, we've seen him grow up right in front of our eyes. Uh, but now I'm really wondering, man, I'd love to see that Frankie Edgar fight. Uh, I think it's a fantastic matchup. That's going to happen. And it seemed, uh, by the end of the second round, it seemed like a matter of time before one of those Max Holloway combos really paid off and clipped Jose Aldo. I didn't know if it would necessarily drop him. Thought for sure he was going to get clipped by one. I thought we would see more leg kicks from Jose Aldo. I thought we would see Max Holloway go to the body a lot more. Instead, Holloway rocked him with a beautiful combination, and Aldo was trying his best. He was hand fighting on the ground, but he was he was still messed up. And I do like the idea of a little more leeway in a title fight. I mean, it is important. Better safe than sorry. I'd rather it be that than a Hen and Burrell, Uriah Faber situation where Hen and Burrell just pulls the wool over Herb Dean's eyes, whether Uriah Faber was going to come back or not. I mean, that one, you, you, you can't do it like that. Uh, we there were, there were some really bright spots for both guys. We saw a good uppercut. Uh, from Al, um, from Aldo off of a combo. He had really nice jabs. Holloway would come back with one-twos and a body kick. It was it was a great fight uh, outside of maybe the first two or three minutes. Very, very strategic from both guys. Uh, but you got to give credit to Max. Max did a fantastic job just in being cerebral. And in essence, basically saying, okay, you know what? We've got plan A, but there's 25 letters left in this alphabet. We've got plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E, plan F. And basically, he was like he was moving down a certain chart. If he does this, we're going to do this. If he does that, we'll do this. And he just kept going and going until the right opportunity presented itself. And then he dropped him. And just just a fantastic fight. The guy's the champ now. It's amazing. Yeah, I saw Holloway catch Aldo on his back foot with a combo. And I really think that he... He get, just gained a supreme amount of confidence after that, and he's like, you know what? I'll go for it. I think he was going for it anyway, but then he unleashed that that beautiful combination that knocked down Aldo. And then after the fight, there there was some right and some wrong. I think Joe, the right they didn't in, they didn't interview Jose Aldo. He was knocked loopy. You shouldn't do that. So uh, kudos to the UFC for that. If you win a double championship, an interim championship, a undisputed championship, you shouldn't have to beg for another $50,000. That's the sad state of the UFC pay. Yeah, no, you're bang You on. got your guy in the main event saying, please give me that $50,000. Yeah, that just that's just basically the UFC in a bubble right now. That, that just describes the UFC that there, there should be no like conversation. I mean, that check should already be written out no matter what. If it's not, if it doesn't happen, you rip the check up right in front of Max Holloway. It's like, you didn't win, you rip it up. That check should already be written. This guy here deserves more than 50000 Uh Just to do what he did, and they were promoting Jose Aldo. John Anik was promoting him nonstop on the show as the greatest featherweight of all time. That's fine. Greatest featherweight of all time. Greatest featherweight of all time. And then, boom, he gets dropped and he gets TKO'd. You know, I wonder what Conor McGregor's thinking when they kept saying greatest featherweight of all time, greatest featherweight of all yeah. time. I knocked the guy out in 13 seconds. 
Yeah, that makes me wonder. Now, now I have another question, Joe. Do you think they run an event in Hawaii now? Uh, the taxes in Hawaii are insane. That's the only mm-hmm. reason why they haven't run an event in Hawaii. Uh, the, the promoter tax and the taxes in general uh, would be ma- would be a terrible. Like, I mean, their their profit would just would, and listen. The UFC is about money. What Especially what runs issue. there right now? Like, is is like some XFC? XFC is there, yeah. Bullshit. Like, I think that's it. Uh, and they have a lot of guys. They have Holloway, Penn, Travis Brown, Yancey Medeiros, Brad Tavares, Luis Smoka. And, of course, they would sign a couple guys, I'm sure. They would sign a guy or two. But Oh, there's no doubt they could, they could fill out any building. They could sell it out, no problem. The problem mm-hmm. is, is not, the UFC isn't going to make as much money as they would usually make having a show in sure. Vegas or in California. Right, Hawaiians travel. They travel. I've seen so many of the of them. You know, whether it's supporting BJ or Max or whatever, whether it's in Cali or whether it's in Vegas, they travel. They'll go and travel. But it would be fantastic for them. It's it's, it's how we felt here uh, in Toronto when we got the show at the Rogers Center. You know, fifty five thousand people showed up there. You know, they can do the same thing in Hawaii. Now they've got a champion. They had a champion in BJ Penn. Now they have a champion in Max Holloway. They deserve a show. It's just that the taxes there are crazy. So let's talk about the future here. Holloway, Edgar seems like a foregone conclusion. That's the way to go. Like I said, Swanson got beat by Holloway, tapped out a couple years ago. Ricardo Lamas can't piece together wins. They're trying to find him a new opponent. Holloway beat him too. We don't know. that. The big question is, what's up with Jose Aldo? What I assume will happen is that he'll bitch for a couple of months He'll ask for his rematch, yell and scream and kick for his rematch. He'll say that he wants to play soccer for a little while. Then he'll say he wants the UFC to cut him. Then he'll say 155, then he'll take a fight at 145. So when all that shit gets done, who does he fight in December or January at 145 pounds? Well, he's not getting a rematch. That's for sure. There's no chance no. he's getting a rematch. Uh, and he can bitch and complain all you want. The UFC now, uh, all, all the, the deck is stacked in their favor. Jose can't do anything right now. The only thing Jose can do is retire or take a fight. And if you don't yeah. retire and you don't take a fight, what are you going to do? Because the, the, the everything is stacked in the UFC's favor right now. There's nothing he could do. He has nothing on the negotiation table right now. Nothing. Yeah. There's nothing he could say. Him. If I'm him, I stop cutting to 145, and I see those dollar signs, and I see Habib, Tony Ferguson, Eddie Alvarez, uh, all these names at 145 or 155 that he has never touched before. Man, you you've got an entire career. Yeah, uh, an entire career's worth. He could rejuvenate his career at 155, but those guys hit harder than Max Holloway. Sure, sure they do. So, but they hit a lot harder. Faster. Conor, Conor McGregor is one of them. Yeah, yeah, that's very <laughs> so true. definitely, definitely they do. But I mean, there are some like they. I think they put Jose Aldo in there with the Gilbert Melendez. He chews Gilbert Melendez up. Yeah, he. Like, can, I don't he think definitely Gilbert makes Mel- some big money at one fifty-five. I think you're bang on. I think there's a lot of guys in the chat right now and girls talking about it. Uh, it, it can happen. It's just that when he starts getting up at the upper echelon, I mean, there's there's one right now that uh, who, who is it? Wobbles says, you know, I'm not going to do the curse word, but Habib would expletive eat his soul. Maybe. Right? 
Yeah, but Gilbert Melendez, that'd be a good fight. There'd be a lot of good fights for, for Jose to compete at at 155 pounds. He can get some really good paychecks. Uh, he could chase Conor McGregor down, you know, whatever you want. But he's just, yeah, 145 now. I, I mean, or is it a situation he could, he could where he's... Joe, he could literally say, hey, I don't want to fight anywhere but Brazil. And they could run every every fight night Brazil show with him just making money it, it, as opposed to retiring and him main eventing those shows if he so chose because those are going to sell out with his name on it. And they might do decent numbers on like an FS1. Now, I think he's a pay-per-view entity even though he's not a pay-per-view needle mover per se. I mean, it will especially be able to tell – from from this show, but he he's a very valuable asset. And if I'm the UFC, I want to hold on to him because he seems like the kind of guy who would be all too happy to spite the UFC. Oh yeah, big but, time. And if he goes over there to Bellator, he's going to headline like nine shows in a row against both Pitbull brothers, and <laughs> it's just like that's how it'll be. Do they train together? Doesn't matter. They gotta have a pit bull brother. When they showed the Betch Correa promo and the graphic came up with the word with their nickname Pitbull underneath it, I just was like, Oh my god, another one. Oh, they're man. just they're all pitbulls. Everyone's a pitbull. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. And uh, here's the funny thing. Do you want to hear something really funny? Yes. Betch Correa main eventing a UFC show. Yeah, yeah. Front row Brian's all over that. She has one win in her last four fights, and it's a split decision against Jessica I. And Jessica I has one win in her last, oh, seven UFC fights. The people that Betch Kohea beat were Julie Kedzie, who was at the ass end of her career and barely beat her. Jessamine Duke, who I adore as a person. She's one of my favorite people in the world, but... Unfortunately, we saw how her career went. And Shayna Baszler, who was at the end of her, who was ready to be a pro wrestler. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Betch Kohea. Damn. It goes she back is to- making a career off those four horse women. Yeah. If that was her goal. That was her intention. She got it. She did she it. She did it. Right? But she it's- did it. She's going to get her ass kicked so badly in a couple weeks. Like, I mean, Holly Holm, Joe, is going to... Oh my God! I don't know if there there is an analogy she that has I can. Twenty five act- minutes to have fun. Oh yeah, Holly Holm is going to just mollywop that poor woman. I'm gonna feel bad for for Betch Kohea. No, you're not. I'm gonna feel bad for. No, you're not. Yeah. You won't. I will. I doubt it. I doubt it. <laughs> Stone Osborne. Awesome. Here, here was a question I had going into this fight, Joe, and it didn't end up happening because we didn't see a lot of body work from Holloway, but I'm sitting there thinking, has anybody really tested the body of Aldo before? Because I can't remember it. If so. Frankie tried. Yeah, he tried. Yeah, but it was, Aldo was just way too fast. Hey, thumbs us up, you guys, on YouTube. Subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. That stuff helps. Visit Fightful.com. We got our boy Steve Muehlhausen over there covering the post-fight news, uh, post-fight presser at Fightful Online, uh, at Fightful MMA on Twitter. Our forums are up and rocking, you guys. I love all the interaction over there on our forums. That is great. Uh, Allegedly, we're adding sports sections to our forums, too. Oh, wow. I'm excited about that. I may have to run the hockey one and the soccer one. My team got... I bought a hockey video game last week, Joe. 
on what on what platform ps4 i just bought like but i bought nhl 15 just to have it just to have it just just to have a game yeah i'm still in i'm I'm in mourning right now my uh my soccer team got shit kicked today bought bought a soccer game too did you yeah no my team took a beating today in champions league so i'm sad i'm emotional I'm gonna uh, hit like, up a Cincinnati FC game pretty soon. There, uh, we have a minor league soccer team. Oh, and Toronto FC got an ass whooping today in New England. So I'm not doing good. Really? I'm not doing good. No, I'm not doing good Jeez. at all. You know who is doing good? Claudia Gadelia. She took out Carolina Kovalkiewicz in a manner where I was like, "No, this is not happening." I thought this one was going to go 15 minutes. That's what I wrote in my article based on the history That's of what both we. That's what we surmised on on the show, but we are the brightest men in the world because we said, hey, you know what? It could end in three minutes via rear naked joke. Don't yeah. go back and watch the show. That's in the past. Stop living in the past, guys. <laughs> Let's talk about what happened tonight. I want to know what the heck was going on with Carolina when she went down to the ground and wasn't able to get back up. Give, give all the credit in the world to Claudia. Don't get me wrong. Give her, you know, she did a fantastic job getting that rear naked choke. But oh my god, that that fight was fantastic as it was standing. And as soon as we went to the ground, I'm like, um, okay, like what are you what are you doing? What's going on here? Like you got to move a bit more here. What are you doing? And the next thing you know, you're no, no, all right, well you're tapping now. Sorry, Carolina. Yeah, this is what I had mentioned the other day. Is this could be really indicative. We got to keep our eye on uh, Kovalkiewicz in the future because we don't know what age these elite women's strawweights in the UFC will start their decline. Now, do I think that her losing to Joanna and Gedalia is a decline? No. I mean, maybe she peaked at Rose Namajunas, and that was a close fight too. That was very, very close. But uh, Gedalia looked great, and of course, you know, she was put in a weird position afterwards. Oh, what are your plans now? Well, if she says, I want a title shot, everybody's going to be like, no, dummy. No. (laughs) But, and if she says 125 title and she doesn't jump into the tough house, people will be like, she's ducking somebody in the tough house. Because you know how people act. If I were her, I would ta-ta 115 pounds. I would tell the UFC... I'm not doing that damn tough house because she's probably not going to do it. But um, fight somebody else at 125, fight a 135 or another 115 or at 125, maybe use that as a preview of the division. I don't know. Uh, there, there are a lot. There are more options than than many think for Gedalia. But damn, she was so impressive tonight. Uh, for her to to Can bounce back. Just yeah, sure. one quick thing about her going up to 125, especially with Joanna wanting to be a two-time champ or two-division champ. Uh, in essence, Claudia just has to move away from anything Johanna-related. So, yeah. and that, that's just the bottom line. Um, so, if Johanna wants to move up. She has to relinquish the 115 title afterwards. Claudia stays there, right? So, it's it's one of those things where I feel bad for her, but... She's going to have a title wrapped around her waist real soon, in my opinion. Yeah, it's and it's it's a bummer of a situation, and it may be an embarrassing situation for Claudia Gadelia, but she's 28 years old. She's still very much in her prime, as we saw tonight. I don't know if there's anybody else in that division who can hang with her, and I don't know if the UFC necessarily wants her hanging 
with other people in that division. Uh, and, and, you know, because the, I don't think they want her picking off contenders. Maybe they, maybe they don't care. Who knows? Uh, maybe they could do Watterson versus Gedalia on like a Fox show or something. Gedalia would rip her apart, but you know, Watterson's little, little bit of name value she has. Has Gedalia and Andrade fought at all? They haven't fought, right? No, that would be a good one. Gedalia and Andrade. Basically, Gedalia against everybody that Joanna beats. <laughs> right. Unfortunate yeah. gatekeeper told Joanna makes a decision or the UFC allows her to do something. But you, know, you mentioned, uh, you know, it, it is embarrassing. I want to get to something embarrassing in a moment. But um, for, for Carolina, it, it, it's devastating. You can see how devastated she was after the fight. It, it's it's definitely a situation where she's like, I, I've seen it in, in with fighters. I've seen it in their eyes. I've seen it in their body language afterwards where a fight ends early. You prepared so hard for it. You did everything right for the training camp. You did everything correct. You planned for every single scenario. You planned for the exact scenario that you were going to be in, the exact scenario you were in that you submitted to, and you tap out and you realize, oh, my God. No. Yeah. She no. was heartbroken. That was tough to see. Yeah. That was very tough to see because I, I really got to see a lot of Carolina's personality on this week's Embedded. I mean, the the, the Embedded's were basically just about her and Gedalia, it seemed like. They were the stars of those shows. And she seemed so happy. She seemed in a good place. Doesn't much matter when you run into a killdozer like Claudia Gedalia and you give your back up, though. That's... That is tough to see sometimes over somebody who you can tell is a genuinely kind person. But that, that's the fight game, man. That is the fight game. That's very unfortunate. Um, where does she go from here other than back to Poland? But she's going to have to chill out a little bit and, and try and figure some stuff out here because this was a, a situation where, you know, she's already lost to the champ. Now she's lost to the number one contender. Now you find yourself in trouble. Then again, this division, you know, it's very respectable. It's got talent. So she's going to have some options. So who would you like to see her fight? Esparza. The winner, the winner, well, Esparza, win or lose against uh, Moroz because uh, they fight later this month. I like it. I think it's a great fight. What I didn't like was Vitor Belfort versus Nate Marquardt as much Monorail as. Monorail salesman, that son of a bitch, Vitor Belfort, is the Lyle Landley. Of the UFC. Oh, I love it. Go on. I was waiting for him to have the hat and the bow tie. What a fool. And the UFC was still running videos until like a couple days ago. One last time. Yeah, I bet. He fought like a man who had one fight left on his contract and didn't want to fulfill it. Uh, Okay. I think he fought like a man that had one fight left on his contract and didn't want to lose and was playing super safe. Uh, And I think they caught it. I think the the analysts caught it and said this guy, because Faraz was in his ear saying, your cardio is fine. Your cardio is good. I think Vitor doubts himself so much. Vitor has been doubting himself way back to the time he fought Randy Couture when he wouldn't come out of his trailer. He would not come out of the trailer and would not come to the cage. Carlos Gracie, or sorry, Carlson Gracie 
had to get him out of there. Come on, this is you're in the, the you're fighting here. You're fighting here. Vitor's always doubted himself, uh, and then you know the whole you know steroids and TRT stuff and blah blah. Well, that made him very very brave and confident. And that stuff went away, and now we're starting to see that Vitor that kind of doubts himself. He's still got great skills, but you can see that something was up with Vitor. He's like, ah, uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not wasting gas here. I'm in big trouble. And then he picked it up at the but end. I think, I think Marquardt's game stifled him a little bit, and it was tough for him to really, really do much. These are guys who five years ago, one was like knocking out Tyron Woodley, the other one was tapping out Rumble Johnson. Yeah. Isn't that wild to think? Yeah. That Every is time not, they show the, When they show the Marquardt knockout of Tyron Woodley, that, that's one of those knockouts that makes me sick to my stomach. Because mm-hmm. he was dropping, and as he was as as Tyron's skull was dropping down, a Marquardt hits him with an uppercut <laughs> to lift him off the ground, and then they just it's like, "Oh my god, that's gross, that's gross." But yeah, no, you're absolutely bang Something on. Something you right. see in a video. Game. Yeah, but uh, Belfort does emerge victorious, although that you know, there I I read this stuff online. People are ripping it apart. The decision and stuff like that. Who did you score it for? I had it for Marquardt, but. If there was a way for both of these guys to have lost, I would have really enjoyed that. <laughs> because this was a terrible fight. Um, oh my God. <laughs> media scores had it pretty much 66% Marquardt to 33% Belfort. Uh, fan scoring had it about 79% Marquardt, uh, 19% Belfort. So, yeah, the, the vast majority had it for Marquardt. Do I care? Nah. <laughs> nope. Nah, not a bit. And here's the thing. Here's why I said what I did earlier, uh, Joe, about him acting like he didn't want to fulfill his last fight on his contract because in the middle of him doing this retirement hokey-pokey and turning himself about, he says, well, maybe I won't fight in the UFC anymore. And the UFC said, well, you still got to fight on your contract, buddy. Buddy. Yep. And he's like, oh, sorry, guy. <laughs> And I thought, you know, maybe he was like, you know what? If I if I lose this fight and they cut me, not the end of the world. Because I don't think Bellator would have given a damn. The dollar sign at the end of that, or the numbers attached to that dollar sign that Bellator is probably going to offer him, I don't think would have been different with a win over Nate Marquardt or not. I don't think they care because they know they're going to make money off of Vanderlei. Well, no, because Vanderlei won't take that fight. Chael Sonnen and Hope maybe Rampage if they can re-sign him. King Mo, they'll make money off of those fights. And so let's, there's not a lot to talk about in the fight. Afterwards, Brian Stan goes, Hey, <laughs> sup with the retirement thing. <laughs> this guy, this guy has the balls after all this to say, Five more fights. <laughs> what is he talking about? I'm cool with it. Whatever. Five fights. I don't give a damn. Do 20 more if you want. Come on. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. He was just lathered in snake oil, this guy. 
I've never heard that before, but that's pretty good. Lather and snake oil. Yep. No, I do it. I like it. That sounds pretty good. Um, Wobble says that Aldo got fight of the night. Hmm. Is that the case? Did you see that online? I haven't, I haven't been able to go on, uh, on I'll, social I'll media. Check with, I'll check with Steve, actually. I'll check with Steve. He's he's on top of that stuff. All right. Uh, what else we got here in the live chat? Guys, Guys, thank you very much for the live chat. You got something to say? You want to bring up something? Uh, put it up there on your screen, top right. Uh, we'll try and get through some of them uh, whenever we can. Uh, I never take umbrage with John Anik. Never. John Anik's one of my favorite guys. Uh, I think his comment or his uh, play-by-play is fantastic. The only time I will ever say, John, psst, you're wrong, but I understand why you did it. After Paulo Borrachini's fight, when he said a star is born in Brazil tonight, whatever. No, 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 no. That star was born last fight, the last mm-hmm. time he fought in the UFC. Because when I saw Paulo compete uh, in his very first fight in the UFC, I texted Elias Theodoro. And I was like, dude, did you just watch this, dude, this kid fight? He's like, no, no. I said, you need to pay attention to this guy because he's going to be on your radar real soon. Tonight, uh, Paulo takes on uh, Oluwale. What did you call him last time? <laughs> Bang Bros. Bang Bros. Bang Bros. Uh, who's who showed up to tonight's festivities and yesterday is missing a few screws because uh, I don't think he was acting normal. He was just just, just crazy. Um, good on him for surviving to the second round, but eventually Paulo just laid an ass, just an ass whooping. That, I mean, that was a Nate Nick Diaz, you know, terminology there, ass whooping. He whooped this guy's ass really bad. Minute six in the second round, eventually gets the TKO. John Anik freaks out, says a new star is born in Brazil. I think everyone at 185 and everyone on this chat, the two people hosting this podcast, every person that goes to our website needs to be paying attention to Paulo Borcinha. This kid, in my opinion, is fantastic. We'll see what happens when he gets into a, a situation where he's going to get tested, uh, where his cardio is going to have to be tested because he keeps winning fights in the first round with the exception of this one. This kid's got power, Sean. This kid can put, some, put a hurting on people. Hell yeah. By the way, Kelleher, Gedalia, Performance of the night, Holloway Aldo, fight of the night. Those are correct. Yeah, this fight, oh, man, this was great. I, I want to watch these guys, as I tweeted, in a best of 10, and I don't care that that's an even number. I don't care. I just want to see them fight a lot. It was really, really good. It was just – Borchina is a guy – man, that place went nuts when he won that fight, and that's what they wanted. And a lot of people looked at his name on this main card and said, why? That's why. Yep. That's why. Because they go to Sao Paulo or Rio de Janeiro or wherever the hell, Fortaleza. They can put him in a co-main event now. They could probably put him in a main event against a, a name, a decent name, and he might do well. At middleweight, I mean, God, could you imagine if they said, hey, Vitor, you got one more fight on your contract. It's this guy. I retired. And then Borchina. And Borchina knocks him dead. That's a star-making performance everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Hell of a fight. Man, what a fight that was. This kid's got skills, man. Again, I just want to see him. uh, It's like anyone, Sean. I mean, if you've been around the game long enough, you realize that no matter how good somebody is, they're going to get tested. 
and eventually he's going to get tested. I just want to see what happens when he does get tested. But right now, this kid's exciting. I'm really looking forward uh, to seeing who they match him up against next. Um, the division isn't light heavyweight. The division at light heavyweight is terrible. Imagine this kid at light heavyweight. He'd be the champion. Probably. <laughs> I wouldn't say the champion. He'd be top two pretty soon. But he's at 185. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very excited to see where the light heavyweight division is in six months. Because that and the heavyweight division, they're, we're going to see like just categorical change rising. And uh, thin divisions are not cream is going to rise to the top of these divisions. Somebody's going to step up. Like there's, they're in a situation now where somebody is going to have to, I, I don't think that they'll allow a situation where somebody doesn't, but uh, how about, how about that hall of fame announcement tonight, Joe? Oh, Sakuraba. Just, Do you know how happy I am? I almost had a single tear roll down my cheek. No, there's a, the, the guy deserves it. I mean, he's just an absolute – I mean, did you – I'm trying to remember. I think it was against the Vitor Belfort fight, if I'm not mistaken. Do you – yeah, I'm trying to remember if that was it. Not many people remember this. I'm pretty sure it was the Belfort fight. He basically ran across the ring and slid into home plate with his feet yeah. through the guard and hit – I think it was Belfort right in the chin. I'm like, who does that in a fight? You know, this is a guy that would break my heart every time he would fight a Gracie. Because when I got into MMA, <laughs> it was the Shamrocks and the Gracies. And I was a huge fan of the Gracies. Loved wearing the gi. And I would love training no gi because Frank Shamrock told me to train no gi. And then Ken Shamrock told me the same thing. And then I would do seminars with Henzo Gracie. The gi is very, very important. You got to wear the gi. So those are the guys that I love the most. And Sakuraba was the Gracie hunter. And he would destroy the Gracies. And he would always make me upset until one day I realized this guy's awesome. This guy's amazing. I got to find all his fights. I would watch all his fights. I mean, I'm, 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 I keep I always tell people under my desk here, I've got these VHS tapes. I still got them here. There's probably tons of Sakuraba fights there uh, that I could probably watch on a fight pass now, but whatever. This guy here was an absolute legend and definitely deserves to be uh, at every MMA Hall of Fame, not just the UFC Hall of Fame. I come from a catch wrestling background. My coach is uh, Brandon McLee. Some of y'all will see him on Twitter, McSuplex. Jay Grooms, they we, we come from the lineage of Billy Robinson. So does Kazushi Sakuraba, Josh Barnett. So for him to get inducted, it's very important to us as a team because we based a lot of what we've learned and what we've done and what we've taught others, what we have taken to pro wrestling when we work pro wrestling matches from him. He is a perfect like when somebody says you can't do that in MMA. You can refer to him so many times. A pro wrestler can't beat an MMA fighter. Yes, he can. Uh, somebody can't beat another guy if they're clean and a guy's on steroids. Uh, yeah, they can. A smaller guy will always lose to a trained bigger guy. Uh, go watch Sakuraba fight. Against Conan Silvera. Yeah. Against Conan Silvera. Against an absolutely used to the gills Kevin Randleman. Yep. Like against Quentin Rampage Jackson, who could have fought his whole career as a heavyweight and done damn well at it, uh, beat him too. Against a juiced Ken Shamrock late in his career, but you look you look at his resume, and it's unbelievable. Carlos Newton, Vitor Belfort, every Gracie that's ever existed in Earth. Like, they're popping out of the womb, and challenging Sakuraba is in the delivery room putting him in a double wrist lock, and they don't even have elbow joints yet, I don't think. 
I don't think they've even formed. He beats him. Rampage Jackson, Kevin Randleman, Ken Shamrock, Minowa. And even then, he goes and he beats like people like Shibata, who he would go and see in New Japan later. He's still doing pro wrestling. He's still doing competitive grappling. If somebody would book him, he'd probably take a fight. I wish he wouldn't. But he's important. He's great. Uh, he is more than deserving. God, I was I was so happy to see this. Like he seeing this, I just love it because you know for so long, and there are still people today that are like pro wrestlers can't cut it in MMA. And I said, yeah, some of them, if they commit, they really can. Sakuraba, Bobby Lashley's done damn good at it. Uh, Brock Lesnar, there there are guys who who can make this work, and uh, Sakuraba is a big part of that. And uh, yeah, the Graces can go square to hell. <laughs> No, but uh, did you know that rumor had it he would smoke? He still smokes. Like he smokes. He's never quit smoking, and he still smokes. <laughs> and he goes and he he fought ninety minutes versus. What does he do? Just, did he grind up the bones of the Gracies and put them in a pipe and like just light up? Where's this anti gracing or anti Gracie? I was, I was never a Gracie guy. I was never a Gracie guy. Did you ever watch the early UFCs? Hoist was kind of a prick. Yeah, yeah, I got he had the. That. I mean, they, they had the narrative built in because his family started the damn thing. But yeah. he would hold on to submissions and all kinds of stuff. And then when he got a little taste of American wrestling, he's like, "Let me get the fuck out of here. I got to get out of here." And then what happened? He ran into catches catch can wrestling in Japan. That's how it went down, man. He got a taste of. Dan Severn and Ken Shamrock, and he, he felt that power. He felt a little bit of that. And I think he was like, I need, to, I need to go to Japan where it's safe. It wasn't safe there. It In all fairness, he was outweighed a fair amount. Well, well you know. Well, well you know. <laughs> if Hickson wouldn't have been such a wuss. Well, Hickson was older. Hickson was a little bit older. Well, no, I, I hear what you're whatever. saying. I hear what you're saying. Whatever. Yeah, he, according to Hickson, it didn't matter. Nixon was still running around saying whatever it is that he could get people to believe. Are you saying he's a con man? Lathered in snake oil? Yeah. No. Definitely not. Uh, Yancey Medeiros takes on Eric Silva uh, in a fight where two gentlemen were interacting with each other inside of a chain link fence. They were in a scuffle. They ended up on the ground. Uh, one party decided to throw some punches. The other party decided to defend the punches. And then a referee said, nah, this fight's over. What say you? I I was okay with it. Uh, I was. I was okay with it. That's, that's really all I got. I, it's just one of those things. Either you are or you aren't. And I was, I was cool with it. The Eric Silva has shown. So Eric Silva, yes. I know you're going to go with Eric Silva. Eric Silva may have maybe within 30 seconds lost the fight, but at the moment that it was happening, that stoppage was too early because he was still doing what he had to do. So. Just because a guy's punching down on you, you can still defend, okay? It doesn't mean that you can't. There are situations where you cannot punch back. It's bad for you, and you're not. it's not a good idea to roll because a guy punching at a certain velocity for a very long time isn't going to happen he's going to get tired and the punches are going to slow down that's when you can have your timing to make your move now eric silva was rocked he got dropped but at the same time at that moment i don't think he was 
he didn't deserve to have the fight stopped. A bit more, yes, but he he was still you know technically intelligently defending himself. That's where my beef is. Yeah, I could see that. I could. It's man, it's one of those things. It's like walking a tightrope, you know. It's it's right on the fringe. It's like we're so close. But yeah, I, I could see both points. I'm not like saying that like defending it till my dying breath or anything. But yeah, I, and I love the fight too. Fight was phenomenal. Fight was great. They these two guys went at it. Yancey Medeiros, practically a Hawaiian uh Diaz brother. <laughs> He's so awesome. <laughs> He's, He's fun awesome. to watch. He's and he would be a big part if they did do a Hawaiian show. Did he look just older to you though? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I think uh, he's saying this is his division 170. I think he's, yeah, I don't think he's going to go very far in this division. I could be dead wrong, but I don't think he's going to go very far in this division. Uh, Many of us thought, uh, well, I was going to say this is a show where, sorry, go ahead. He's won three of his last four. So, I mean, that's that's nice. He's 2-0 at welterweight now, but man, I I don't know if you want to get clocked by guys like Eric Silva too much. I don't know if you want to make a habit of that. No, um, the one. So I, this is a show where I should have mentioned off the top that you deserve a lot of praise uh, for what you discussed in the Holy Smokes podcast uh, as some of the predictions that you made. Um, we're gonna boy. Into, yeah, we're going to enter some controversy right now because the very last vote in the preliminary Jesus. card for Fox uh, was Rafael Asuncao taking on Marlon Moraes, and it was a split decision. One judge had 30-27, one had 29-28, other one had a 28-29. The last time I saw shit that fishy, I ate at Long John Silver's. You're saying it's, it was fishy to the point that Marlon had no chance of winning that fight. That was No, no, no. It was just a, it was bad scorecards. Just bad scorecards. Marlon won that fight. Yeah, you can, make the, you can make the argument either guy won the fight. I totally get it. I totally understand that. Um, Marlon was just one gear away from winning this fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, put he, it like he, this. 16 media scorecards, 17 media scorecards had it for Marias, one for Sunsau. 83% of the fans scoring for Marias. I definitely had it for Marias, and that's a bummer. And I hope that the UFC rankers put him over a Sunsau anyway. This is something that we we had talked about before about how the footwork in this division could be a problem for Rafael Sunsau, and I think it was. That ankle injury, that that's one. If it were at heavyweight, I don't think that I would be that concerned, Joe. But because it's in this division at 135 pounds, I was I'm super concerned. Because how are you going to deal with the TJ Dillashaws and the Dominic Cruises and stuff? I mean, if he fights, if he got if fights a guy like John Lineker, I'm a little less concerned. John Lineker isn't like all about footwork and stuff. He's a stay in the pocket, slug it out type of dude. But Marlon Marias will chew you up with leg kicks all day if your wheel isn't working. So, and I, and I thought that's what Marias did. And I thought he deserved to win. And here's the thing. I got home at about nine 30. I got to watch this and I just flipped it back to an old, another uh, fight earlier. Cause I was like, okay, Marias won. Refresh the Wikipedia page. And I see that. <laughs> and I said, and I quote, Duvois. <laughs> Damn, man. You. Yeah. 
See, see, I'm, I'm, I'm of the, uh, I'm pulling up the arrogant box out of my head and putting it on top of the microphone here, and basically saying I picked us and Sal to win this fight. So I'm sticking by that prediction, and I was right. Yeah, and Ole Sammy Ole says all hype and couldn't finish. Man, we're talking about Rafael Sons out here, number three bantamweight in the world. Get off of that. Yeah, this, this is the challenge he wanted. So, uh, I, I, listen, Marlon's going to be fine in this division. Uh, I'm looking forward to him competing again. We'll see who they match him up against. It's going to be fine. Uh, Eric Spicely's strategy versus Antonio Carlos Jr. was a head-scratcher, teeth-puller. What were you thinking? I, I, I know you're black belt, but that's not what you want to do. But he did it. And then he got submitted in the second round. He seemed pretty outmatched on the feet, too. He seemed, I think that he was just like, you know what? I'm not doing anything here. I'm going to try a 50 50 for about a half an hour, see how that works out. (laughs) You must have been loving that part. I did. I loved it. Um, Maybe he should have went for one of those Bongbosh double axe handles since he's a pro wrestler. Crazy. What the hell? Everybody knows that if you hit that double axe handle, the flying elbow smash is coming up next. Sammy Ole, uh, or Sammy says, you might be selling, but I'm not buying. It doesn't matter if you're buying or not. Uh, Rafael Asuncao is the number three bantamweight in the world and 80-something percent of fan scoring and 90-something percent of media scoring had Marlon Marias beating him. So uh, I don't know. Uh, whatever, man. This ain't a monorail I'm trying to sell you. This is real people who said Marias won the fight and traditionally questionable judges one way or another in Brazil. Now, I get it. Marias is Brazilian. That, But uh, I, I, it's weird to me that anybody would be like, oh, yeah, that Marlon Marias, he, he's, he's all hype at this point because, man, he, he put the hurting on a sun sow. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, like you were saying, Carlos Jr. looked great. Yeah, it looked fantastic. I think, it, well, I shouldn't say fantastic. Uh, he emerged victorious because the guy that he was competing against, like you said, didn't want to stand up anymore. So, all right, you want to take me down to the ground? I'm a former world champ. We can do this. All right, see ya. Boom. Uh, I, I think mixed martial arts fans don't understand, even the hardcore ones, don't realize how good Antonio Carlos Jr.'s jiu-jitsu is. If you just simply watch him, just the transitions that he had with Eric Spicely, you will appreciate this guy is good on the ground, man. He's fantastic. Just turned 27, has won three in a row. Man, it's a bright future for him. I can't, I can't wait to see what they cook up next for him, too. The thing is, he's, he's in a fight anywhere. That's what I like about him. A lot of the Brazilian fighters only want to fight in Brazil and sometimes Vegas. He's yeah. like, send me to the U.S. I'll fight in Australia. I'll fight in Brazil. Throw me on the ultimate fighter. I don't care. I love this dude. I love the fight in him. I love his evolution. He's a guy who's went from heavyweight to light heavyweight to middleweight. He competed as a grappler at super, super heavyweight. heavyweight. Yeah. There, there's a lot to like about him. Including his nickname, Shoeface. <laughs> That's so terrible. 
<laughs> oh, it's terrible. Uh, nothing to like about Mario Yamasaki's performance uh, in the Johnny Eduardo Matthew Lopez fight. Uh, Matthew Lopez threw 20 extra punches mm-hmm. to Johnny Eduardo's skull before Yamasaki said, You know what? Lopez's or uh, Eduardo's brains aren't going to come out of his ear. I, th- I thought they were, but no, they're not. Let's, I'm going to stop this fight now. It was just too many. Why? I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, kudos to Matthew Lopez's performance, but I know I've been in situations, or not, I, not personally, I've seen mixed martial arts bouts where referees are not stopping it in time, where fighters are looking, going, what are you doing, man? Like, I'm, I'm going to kill this guy. Your job is to stop this. I don't want to stop it because it's my job to fight, but it's not my job to kill somebody. Like, holy smokes, man, can you stop this fight? And that's what I think, you know, Lopez may have been thinking uh, with Johnny Eduardo when, when Yamasaki's like, just looking over this, what's going on here? Like, what are you doing, counting the follicles in his head? Like, do something, man. This is one of those fights that where casual MMA fans who have maybe seen Eduardo before were picking Eduardo, but everybody in the know seemed to think Lopez was going to win. And, yeah, it, I thought Lopez was going to win, and for this, this was a really good indication of why, too. Because Eduardo doesn't fight very often, I don't think he, and I don't think he is put in physical positions like Matthew Lopez had him. It's tough to replicate the type of position. If you all go back and watch the way that Lopez was striking Eduardo, it's tough to replicate that in the gym because you're not like, oh, I'm going to drill being up here with my leg laced and my arm not, then him peeling me back down, throwing strikes and avoiding it. And But when you fight four or five times in six years, it's really, really tough to get used to that. And hey, good on, good on Matt, Matt Lopez, too. He's now two and one in the UFC. He was welcomed by Ronnie Yaya. That's, a, Hello. that's not doing any favors for a debuting guy, but especially a, a guy with his pedigree. But yeah, that, that, that was a good fight. I kind of figured Lopez would take that one. I was leaning towards Johnny Eduardo in this fight, not because I realized, uh, sorry, not because the, the whole ring rust thing was telling me not to. I just had so much value in him because I think he's just, because he hasn't fought so long, I'm like, this guy's got to have, he doesn't have the mileage on his body. Does that make sense? He's had the injuries, but he doesn't have the mileage on his body. And he's a very skilled fighter. Always has been. And uh-uh, not tonight. Matthew Lopez proved otherwise. Uh, Brian Kelleher takes out Yuri Alcantara in a situation where a a submission took place to the point, Sean, where my phone started going off, basically saying, huh? He tapped out to huh? He tapped out to what? What's going on here? The guillotine went on. It was a one-arm guillotine. It was over the top. And before you know it, he's tapping away. He's like, what? You're a black belt. You've been that you've been in that position a million times. How are you tapping out so quick? And then of course, uh, I think it was Cruz or someone had mentioned that, you know, that that. Kelleher has this crazy squeeze about him uh, that his training partners always talk about the squeeze. And I know Eddie Bravo has always told uh, a lot of people, if you ever watch any of his stuff and in conversations with him, the importance of the squeeze, not just the submission, mm-hmm. the squeeze. You always practice and train your squeeze. You can 
you can strengthen your squeeze, you'll, you'll notice missions uh, when you put them on people, you'll get tap outs quicker. The squeeze that Brian must have had must have been incredible because you just tapped out a legit black belt. That's crazy. Yeah, and I think the ref was even a little bit surprised. Like, Kelleher had to be like, hey, dude, he's tapping. And the ref's like, shit, really? To that? Uh, Kelleher's a guy who was just – he was 10-7 and seven a couple years ago. And he has just reeled off this this amazing streak, beat a guy like Alcantara in his UFC debut. That's big. That's big. Alcantara's a ranked fighter. And to finish him in that manner, that's making a real statement. That's that's pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, it's – and Alcantara, I get the feeling – He'll probably fight pretty soon, but he's getting up there in years. I'd say he's, he's if he wants to make a go, like there have been times where Alcantara looked like he could be something really special. Yeah, yeah. But Big time. He always he always slips, and it's usually in long, drawn out decisions. He's had trouble with that, like against Signs and Rivera and Faber and even DS back in the day, like five years ago. He he struggled in that regard, but he got put away quick by Kelleher tonight. It was disturbing to watch, I'm telling you. It was one of those situations where uh, it, it didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense. It, it was... Whenever a black belt goes down, it doesn't matter if they're both black belts, a black belt in general, even if it's a, it's a purple belt, when they go down to a ground and a submission starts taking place, I don't really take it too seriously. I'll reach over for my coffee. I'll, <laughs> you know, if, if just I'm, I'm not taking it seriously. It's just, it, it'll take some time before a submission goes on. And damn it, that thing was on fast didn't even last. it was a minute 48 that fight it was crazy so uh is what it is if you missed the rest of the card ladies and gentlemen uh for those that watched vivian Pereira takes out jamie moyle in a fight where i was kind of like holy glorified sparring session these ladies aren't going to finish each other i know this is going to be 15 minutes uh i've seen these types of fights too many times no one's getting knocked out that's what happened uh it was 15 minutes 30 27 uh times two and then 29 28 for vivian she emerges victorious uh the other two fights a welterweight fight between uh luan chagas taking on jim wallhead that was a mean rear naked choke mean submission and then davison uh Figueredo. Uh, for those that don't know, Jungle Fight and um, organizations of that nature, he comes into the UFC, continues to march on this undefeated streak, taking out Marco Beltran in a brutal fashion to the point the doctor had to stop the fight in between rounds. That's how much of a beating, uh, or about, uh, you know, can I say shit kicking? Because it was it was it was one of those situations where he pounded him, uh, and it was you're done, you're done, you're not going to answer the bell. He hit him so hard uh, towards the end of the, of the round, he wasn't able to finish him because the bell went off. But man, that was absolutely fantastic. Uh, that wraps up everything for this UFC 212. Sean, what would you like to talk about, sir? Vivian Pereira thing. That was just that was a showcase fight for her. Uh, Jimmy Moyle's got to go somewhere saying she can hang with the like. I think she said she could hang with Joanna a couple days ago. Nah, nah, guys. Uh, of course, check us out every Tuesday at 3 p.m. for the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. It's a lot of fun. We have segments, we uh interact with you in the live chat, we preview things, we review things, we'll rip things to shreds. We like to have a lot more fun. I know that MMA podcasting is still very much in its infancy. Uh, it's it's funny because wrestling went the opposite. Wrestling podcasts got popular by because of media, 
And then every wrestler started getting their own podcast. And MMA, every fighter is getting a podcast, and then the MMA, or the media kind of follows. But uh, we've been at this for for almost a year now here at Fightful.com. Always have exclusives over at Fightful.com. Uh, we got several good shows coming up this month between uh, the Singapore show, the New Zealand show. We'll have to talk about when we'll do a post show for that, whether it'll be that night or the next day. Also, uh, Bellator at the end of the month. Lee Chiesa, can't wait for that. But lots of good stuff over at Fightful.com. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked. But yeah, guys, support those podcasts. I love doing that Tuesday podcast with Joe. That's pretty much it from my perspective. I want to thank everyone for tuning in uh, this evening, for staying up late with us. Hope you guys enjoyed UFC 212. Hope you enjoyed the UFC post-podcast with yours truly and Sean Ross Sapp. Make sure you give him a follow at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow yours truly at Showdown Joe. Go to our website, Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com, uh, Fightful Online, at Fightful Online uh, for the social media handles. We want to thank everyone, but don't forget you'll see me again on Tuesday hosting the Holy Smokes podcast, 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, no idea who the guests are going to be yet. Me and Sean will discuss it. I'll probably get myself in trouble. Uh, we do have some Burt Watson stuff that we could get to, but there's a bunch of stuff that I'm working on that potentially will have some fun guests coming up on Tuesday. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Love you guys in the live chat. Uh, anything you guys want to discuss, boom, hit us up on social media. I'll be more than happy to chat about it. Uh, maybe you'll end up on the podcast as well. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.